Welcome, this is Leading with Spirit, the show that gives you an in-depth look at topics like what it takes to navigate your spiritual journey, how to heal yourself and grow your spiritual gifts, and balanced practices to expand your business and your spiritual leadership. I'm your host, Spirit Bird, shamanic teacher, healer, and author, here to guide you on your journey to becoming your most potent spiritual leader. Have you been hearing the call to expand your spiritual gifts and step into your next level of conscious leadership? If you're a coach, healer, or a spiritual leader, you can learn more about Shaman School and growing your spiritual business on our website, HoltonHealingArts.com, or send me a DM at Holton Healing Arts. You want a roller coaster ride? Become an entrepreneur. <laughs> That's what it can feel like anyway, especially, especially in the beginning. Want to be a spiritual entrepreneur? Then amp that up like 10 times. Worrying about if this is going to work and how do I get from here to there is hard enough when we're just growing any business. But as a spiritual entrepreneur, we're also navigating questions like, am I being authentic? does this actually create more good in the world or am I just lying to myself to feel better about what I do? Or even worrying, who am I to think I should be doing this work? I'm just a regular person. In our discussion today, we're gonna be talking about how to move from self-doubt and self-judgment, one of the deepest poisons that we can self-administer into self-trust. Being a a spiritual entrepreneur doesn't actually have to be a roller coaster ride. And the way we steady our path is by deepening our self-trust. So what I want to explore is why. If this is true, if self-trust is how we steady our course, then why do we spend so much time in self-doubt and self-judgment? Why do we do that? And how do we change things when we catch ourselves prepping for another dose. Today, I want to share the three teachings I've learned to help me get through the biggest moments of self-doubt and through my own moments of fear of judgment and moving through that in a way that's allowed me to not only grow my business, but do other fun things like participate in summits, get invited to events ask to lead ceremony and stay connected to the vision growing inside me that's informed by the earth herself. Those three things are being centered in self, being humble, and being skilled at navigating self-judgment. I've been at this work for quite a few years now, and I've recently noticed Um, I mean, after all these years, I've noticed that one of the things that I do to sabotage myself is actually the self-doubt. We all have our own particular flavor of what our self-doubt looks like. For me, um, I'm focused on what if I'm the bad guy? That's my question that I have spiraling around in my system. Um, Especially when I started, it was almost constantly. Um, Others might be, Um, What if I mess up? Or what if they hate me? 
Or what if I look dumb? Or what will my family think? Or what if I'm not organized enough, right? So that self-doubt is my go-to tool for slowing myself down and holding myself back. And I noticed whenever I would get into these spirals of self-doubt, um, it was actually directly linked to when I was in a place where I was about to advance or grow or take the next step in you know, myself or in my business. It happened before I publicly shared that I do shamanic healing work for the first time. Um, I got in that spiral before I did my first live event. It happened before I launched shaman school. It happened when I doubled the value that shaman school delivers and also raised my prices. It happened when I went from working with beginners to um, advanced coaches and healers. And right, so what I was noticing is that self-sabotage pattern. And whenever I'm just before that threshold of moving into that next place, that's where I bring in the self-doubt. And of course I would, right? Of course we would do that. It's our mechanism to slow ourselves down and keep things the same. We all know that the ego's job is to keep us safe, but the ego only understands that in the context that safety means sameness. Being like other people or being like how we've always been and the way that we've always been. So what's really happening is I'm about to grow and a part of me is afraid of the unknown. Who am I becoming? What will it be like? And in that moment, we stand before the void. Who am I becoming is standing before the void. And in an effort to escape the hollowness of that big unknown, the mind fills it with traps and questions and inner conflict. What if I'm being selfish? What if I'm only in it for me? And then I become just like every other shallow spiritual coach or greedy businessman. And if I find myself going down the internet rabbit hole and following people who do have judgment about what I do, which is something that I often do to myself. I'll get in that spiral of self-doubt and in an effort to try to escape, I'll actually go further into who will affirm my doubt, right? And so I start looking for people that are going to object to what I do, actually seeking it out. <laughs> and in that process, I start to take the power out of my own body in preparation of handing it over to them for them to tell me why I'm bad. Or another way this might look as I follow the rabbit hole of looking at practitioners that do similar work. And then I start the game of comparing and thinking, oh, if I was just a little bit more like that person, or if I was just doing this a little bit more, maybe I need to do that. Or maybe I'm not good enough, right? 
And so this is where we start to administer that higher dose of self-doubt, self-judgment, distrust. But what I know now is when I catch myself in that act, in the spiral and seeking out that poison, I know I'm trying to hold myself back. So instead of following that spiral down, I can just get still and flip it. So one of the first steps in the process of flipping that self-doubt to self-trust is to be centered in the self. And in this way, the process is less focused on like, how do I get rid of this self-doubt? Like, how do I make it go away? It's less on how to get rid of it or how to cure the doubt and more about actually healing the part of you that's afraid to give attention to the self, right? We need to give ourselves permission to focus on ourselves because that's how we find our clear, authentic voice, which is actually needed for a thriving business, right? And a thriving collective. And for many of us, Helping others is how we've derived value for ourselves and in our lives. And if helping others is at the expense of the self, we're actually doing a disservice by not including our voice and our real feelings in the collective. And sometimes that can be hard to see because we spend so much time suppressing our own feelings, right? We actually talk ourselves out of our feelings and tell ourselves that we're doing the right thing, that we're being strong, that we're being brave, that you know we're being the good person. We see this with a lot of marriages too, where one partner feels they can't do what they really want to do because the other partner isn't in support either doesn't believe in what they do or feels like it's not practical or because it's not, you know, the conventional way of doing things that it's a waste of time. Or I see this a lot where one of the partners in the marriage is so busy working for their other partner's dream instead of actually working on their own personal part of their shared dream. Right. And for, again, a lot of us, our value has been, what's been taught to us is our value comes from putting other people first and making ourselves small, not just in helping others, but especially in being who we are, especially women in particular, right? Where like, we're actually taught, like our value is from being small in our, you know, in our body, making our body smaller. Our value comes from, you know, um, doing volunteer work especially within the church, right? Like be a good wife and do the volunteer work, but you certainly wouldn't want to grow your bank account, keep your bank account small. That's how you know you're really good, right? So it can be scary to focus on others um, or to focus on ourselves instead of others. But what happens when we try to not focus on ourselves, right? And be good is we end up subconsciously obsessing about ourselves and it's all under the surface level. It looks like, um, 
why doesn't anybody pay attention to me? Why don't people notice me? When is it my turn? How come she gets to do this? It looks like resentment often, right? And so this happens when we put off our dreams with other reasons, like when my husband's husband's business is actually going or when my kids are out of the house or when I get one more client or when I have X amount saved, then, then I can pay attention to myself and my dreams. And it's the same thing, right? It's the same thing of taking basically a block or another step and putting it between you and what you actually came here to do. Let me get this set up first and then I'll actually do the thing. I promise you it doesn't work that way. It's when we pay attention to our dreams, actually putting attention on what we want and creating it, right? Putting our attention on actually creating it, not just thinking about what we want, that we then get the next client where we save X amount of money or our partner's business magically starts taking off and opportunities are showing up all over the place. And so if you truly want to bring light into the world, you can't do it while simultaneously cutting yourself out of the collective. You're designed to do a thing, to serve a function. So do it. (laughs) And if you're a practitioner or a coach or a healer, but still aren't quite sure what that thing is, or you know it's time to grow into something different and you're stuck on the self-doubt, message me. Because that's exactly what we do. We get you clear on that purpose and how to deliver it and committed to seeing it through. So once I bring myself back to my center and that can actually look like calling my energy back, noticing where I've been putting my energy into somebody else and actively calling it back into myself. That can look like, right, catching myself when I'm going down that rabbit hole on the internet and stopping and centering back in myself. And from there, the second stage in the process of flipping that self-doubt into self-trust is humility. Mm. Often we think we are being humble when actually we're just diminishing ourselves, which is anything but humble. Humble is an interesting word. So with the growth of Abrahamic religions that base themselves on the hierarchical hierarchical model of theology, the meaning of humility changed. The word itself, humble, means of the earth. And when we, as a collective, started to dismantle the circular or the collective structures and way of being in favor of the hierarchy, right? In that process, we put God above humans and humans above the earth. And so in that process, humble meaning of the earth became to mean less than. 
So often we downplay our power so we don't attract attention or get attacked. This is being less than we actually are. But when we remember humility is actually being of the earth, we can remember our sacred mission that we came here to earth to be. I struggle with the mission earth is whispering to me at times. I'm actually very interested in removing the hierarchy within the belief system that spiritual, spiritual teachers are above others, especially within shamanism. And I know that it's hurtful to people. That suggestion is hurtful to people and to some cultures, right? And I can compare it when I think of yoga and speak with, you know, real yoga masters that are really living that life. And I know it's frustrating to them um, to be that devout and to devote so much of your life to embodying what that work truly is, all parts of it. Um, I know that's frustrating to have li be living that life and then see somebody who's misinformed, who's taken maybe a teacher training or um, done a few classes, and they think that they're the same thing, that they think they're living the yoga life and maybe they're only focused on, you know, making their body nice, <laughs> right? Um, so we see that happen. And the positives of yoga being more widespread far way outweigh the negatives, far outweigh the negatives. And so when we are, so here we are with a lot of spiritual teachers who want to think that they want to maintain the integrity by trying to keep that separateness. But what they're actually doing is maintaining the hierarchy. And that's what I want to dismantle. Um, and yeah, I have worries about it, right? Because what if somebody misunderstands what I'm teaching? Or what if I teach a thing and people misuse it or make it shallow? But I also know in my body, this is part of what is wanting to happen through me and my life and others. And at the same time, what I'm actually doing is dismantling that own belief structure within myself. That there's certain parts of me or qualities of who I am that are higher or above other parts of me or qualities of who I am. And bringing myself down to the ground to be of the earth again. And I'm here on earth doing that work. That's humility. So even though some of what I can see my work contributing to in the world, and even though I sometimes have qualms with what that is and question it, and even though I know that this is far from a popular opinion, in fact, I can't say I even know someone else who shares that opinion, certainly not openly. Sure, it's out there. I don't know everybody in the world, but um, I haven't really heard that 
shared as a positive thing very often. But once I centered in myself, once I catch myself in that self-questioning, self-doubt, and I draw my energy back from being invested in others' opinions, then I can feel in my body that it is actually my path. In fact, one of the reasons people work with me is I can feel and find where their opening is too and help them create that business of purpose. Those openings are there because they do see something that needs to change. But where we get that support and the coaching is when we're afraid of what that might mean. And so what it looks like in our system is lack of clarity, but we do know, and there is an opening. So it's just the act and the work on moving through that self-doubt, right? Often when we're given seeings that have a stray from the pack, it's because the pack too needs a change. And it's everybody in, their, in the pack and their own longing within and the desire for something new and something whole that leads the earth to create an opening through us. And so you might be that one in your seeing. But when it feels like you're straying from the pack, it shows up as being unclear and self-doubt. And so when we want to argue, when I want to argue with myself and say like, oh no, that's wrong. I got to come back to humility. And I have to ask myself, if I can feel this in my body and if I can feel this opening coming through me from the earth, who am I to think that I know better than spirit? Humility is about listening, hearing the messages, hearing the teaching, and not overriding it with the what ifs, or this doesn't apply to me, or I know better. Who am I to think that I'm not that one? If God gave you a gift, who are you to be like, mm, but I'm just little me? <laughs> Or, but I don't know about technology or, but my husband doesn't like it, right? Who are you to act like, you know, more than God? And so even though it can feel like the opposite of humility to trust that message and move forward, again, it's actually more humble to accept your role and your purpose than it is to override it. In the pretense of sort of false humility or the new way we think of humility as acting less than, pretending to be less than what you actually are. So then the third part of moving through the self-doubt and turning self-doubt into self-trust is learning how to navigate judgment. So just to recap, catching yourself in the self-doubt and then bringing yourself back to center, reconnecting to that message and that purpose, hearing it, allowing it to come in, listening to it, not overriding it. And then what will happen is you most certainly will face judgment from others. Every time I get close to a breakthrough, 
I also bring in subconsciously bring in um, a reflection or reaction from someone in the form of judgment. They'll locate the place in me where I have distrust and question and attack me about that very thing. <laughs> Sometimes I even sneak it out, right? When I go down the internet rabbit hole and like look for somebody who I know will tell me that I'm wrong. And I have to step back and find my knowing again instead of floating off in the worry. I have to draw my energy back in, recenter myself in the humility of my work. I can take things, I can take criticisms and reflections and learn, right? It's not a matter of becoming this like shell that just doesn't listen to any outside opinion, right? I can listen to them and take things in and learn, but I don't have to embody the judgment that comes along with it. And I don't have to apologize or explain myself. So a little bit of questioning is good, right? Um, and if you've never had any of the self-doubt or self-questioning, self there's a good chance um, something is not in alignment and you probably are deeply in a shadow. And if you question yourself, there's a good chance you're actually all right. People with integrity worry about whether they're in integrity. People who are not in integrity don't sit around and worry about whether they're not in integrity. Right? So if you are in the doubt, if you're wondering sometimes, good, that's a healthy sign, but you don't have to stay there. So most of the time when we experience judgment from others, that's one, because we're subconsciously looking for a reason to stay in the doubt, right? Because we want to slow down the train, stay the same, not change, not become, right? Because the unknown um, is a mystery and we don't know what it'll look like. So better just stay the same. The other reason we experience judgment from others or how to move through it when we do, because there will always be, if not actual judgment, um, difference of opinions because they're on the other side of the wheel. They are in a different cycle. And we have to remember that we all have different experiences and are in different curriculums and different cycles. So someone who has maybe most of their life lived unconventionally, they cast off the mainstream and they haven't chased materialism, um, when they are being called to maybe grow their work or grow their business, come join the world economy, or when they have a dream, when they've been given a dream about maybe a wellness center or retreat center, right? Um, after having lived um, unconventionally for so long, they're likely in a curriculum where they're learning to heal that judgment they had about those on the other side of the wheel from them. So their judgment that they've had about those that appear to live materialistically or have things. They're in a curriculum of learning to heal the part of themselves that can't see the beauty, that there's beauty in that too. And heal the part of themselves that afraid to give you permission to enjoy nice things. And so if you're on that curriculum, 
what the habit can be is to start to move in that direction where you're healing that part of yourself, learning how to run a business or learning how to um, build up credit, you know, learning how to do what you need to do so you can purchase the property so you can own that retreat center, learning how to hone your gifts and offer them so that when you have the retreat center, there's something that you can do there. Right. And so if you're on that path, it's not about going to the extreme where you were. It's not about giving up on all of that and going further away, but coming back to the middle, right? Always coming back to center. And so you were on that side of the wheel and maybe you looked across and you actually have judgment too. Maybe you were living a unmaterialistic life and you had judgment on those that lived materially, right? Now you're on the other side of the wheel. You've been invited to that side to heal that part of yourself and also to gain understanding. That's compassion, right? Actually having the experience where we now can understand something that we didn't understand before. And so it's not only about being able to move through the fear of others judging you, but also being able to heal where you also had judgment. And right. So people who aren't where you are might show up and it might look like judgment, but it's fine. It's not their time to heal that. And we still need people out there challenging others, right. From becoming mindless in their actions. So you can question yourself, but you don't have to embody somebody else's judgment. Just have to remember they're on the other side of the circle, right? And so if we continue with the materialism, maybe you've lived, uh, maybe you have lived a really material life and now you're learning how to be a minimalist. And now all of a sudden you might understand the value of living simply and living off the land and not needing material things to feel your value or your self-worth. And maybe as you cross over to that side of the circle, you might look at where you used to be and you might judge those who look like what you used to be and forget that you are learning too. And maybe they came from the side of the circle you just got to. And people might look at you and think they're better than you because they have nice things, right? And you don't. But you know the truth of who you are and what you're doing. And they're on the other side of the circle. They're not fighting with you. It's part of wholeness. And besides, how can anyone learn from you if you're hiding who you are behind doubt and judgment? And in the end, I realized for me that while I spend or used to spend so much energy questioning if I'm doing the right thing, I do hear spirit guiding me along the way with the gentle reminder that I didn't come here to be good. I came here to be me. Thanks for joining me today. Welcome to today's member query episode, where we explore questions about spiritual paths, intuitive gifts, growing a spiritual business, and shamanism. 
Do you have a question for us? Send us a DM at Holton Healing Arts. This question is from one of our private Facebook group for Leading with Spirit, uh, from one of our members there. And the question is how to process energy in a safe way. And, oh, super common question. And so just to kind of touch on a couple of light points here. Um, first of all, at least within shamanic healing, we have to remember that we as individuals aren't actually doing anything. Well, let me say this. The only thing we are doing as humans is actually getting ourselves out of the way and letting spirit flow through us. So when you're dealing with um, taking on energies or helping somebody remove them, um, you're actually allowing spirit to come in. So spirit is the one that's actually connecting, not you. Um, so that's the most kind of generic answer. Secondly, another way that we can do this um, in a safe way and the way that we're kind of advancing more now is instead of being sort of this traditional healer that sort of like sucks out the poison and takes it into yourself, what we're actually doing is guiding the individual to find the place where they might need to extract an energy or remove some negativity or remove some old stuff. And then us as the practitioner is are actually finding that same place in ourselves. So we're not actually working on them and their stuff. We're actually working on ourselves and our stuff. And when we do that, we actually become the guide for them. So it's easier for them to remove their own thing. And in that way, we're not actually taking out anything from or for someone else. And then thirdly, part of this mechanism is um, awareness. So we want to be aware of one of the shadowy sides of having the gift of empathy or the gift of, you know, healing touch. And that is that sometimes we actually feel other people's energy um, as a mechanism so that we can feel unsafe. Um, actually it's a mechanism. It's like, if we can know what's going on around us before they do, then we'll have the upper hand and we can prepare ourselves. So that is the unconscious version of the gift when we're actually like out there tracking what might be coming, um, out of fear. And so the conscious version is to understand that that's a protective mechanism. And so another way that we can, um, process energy in a safe way is to, keep our energy within ourselves and let other energy stay within themselves. So not actually seeking out the energy of other people, being conscious of when we are, right? And when we are doing it, we don't have to, again, punish ourselves for it. We just need to remind ourselves, oh, wait, this is actually not my energy. And so I don't even need to take this in. And when we do take it in, it often is for that self-punishment or so we can feel unsafe or so we can make sure we're the victim. So just having awareness here is a really, really powerful way to start processing energies um, in a safe way. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Leading with Spirit. If you did, please share the link for this episode with your biggest takeaway, tagging me at Holton Healing Arts. It would also support me if you subscribed and left a rating and review of the show so we can support more people living their highest purpose. Until next time, journey on.